Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of thecomicscomic.com. Found wherever you can type the comics comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed. From young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Today's guest, Horatio Sands. Born in Chile, raised in Chicago, and known by many as cast member for eight seasons on Saturday Night Live. His other credits start with the Second City Troop in Chicago, where he also was an original member of the Upright Citizens Brigade, to more recent turns in Girls, Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, and Modern Family. He recently launched his own podcast on Earwolf called The Hooray Show. You'll hear his co-host Chad Kruger interrupt us as I caught up with Horatio in his hotel room during the 2015 edition of South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. So let's get to it. So, Horatio? Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Oh, uh, yeah, I want I want to let you know that you're yeah, you know that you're here to interview me obviously, but I want to let the audience to know that I'm laying in the bed and that you're sitting in a chair much and the in the the physical relationship right now is like I'm in therapy. So that's what I was going for. So okay. I'm laying in the bed doing this interview here at the Omni Hotel. Well, I hope I can be of some service to you now. I think you will be. So, let's let's go back. Let's go back a ways then. Not okay. quite to your childhood, but to your pre-Saturday Night Live, okay. pre-full-time stand-up or improv sketch comedian days. What was the last job you had to hold down before you could just be a full-time comedian? Uh, the last, last job was... Um... My brother owned a dating service, and I and I would have to make this is true by the way, and I would have to make videotapes, and I would have a part time job there like four to nine, but I would make the people's videotapes. You know now of course, uh, it's all internet stuff. But in the day of video dating, I was a vi- video maker, an editor, and I put mm-hmm. the tapes together and send them off. Was this in Chicago? Yeah, in um, in Elmhurst. Now, because it was family, did you did you have to give notice, or did you just say? Oh no! I mean, I think I I think I quit before I. Well, I, yeah, I don't think it was that big of a deal. I don't think they really cared that much. Uh, I mean, they liked me as a human, but it wasn't like I, I was keeping the place going or anything. And so it was a very easy transition. Well, you know, I lived at home too, so this wasn't very urgent. Okay. Um, I made money to you know buy beer basically, but so it wasn't that I was never worried about being on the street, you know. I just when I got hired by SNL, I figured, oh, I got to move out of my house, <laughs> my parents' house. That's quite a transition. Yeah, it was quite shocking. <laughs> you know, I've never lived by myself, so you know I had to start doing that, and that was that was crazy, but. Um, it coincided with me doing SNL, so I had little time to worry about, you know, missing people or missing my home, because it was just so much stuff going on for SNL that it was an easy transition. And yet, you're moving out of your parents' house to go to New York City. What was it like finding your first apartment on your own, knowing that you had money to spend? Oh, well, my brother had held on to a lease uh, to... Um, to a one bedroom in in Greenwich Village so when it came time I asked him if I could take over the lease 
So I offered, uh, I, you know, I paid the person who had who was staying at the apartment some money to move out, and then I took over that apartment. Uh, so it was on Christopher Street and Greenwich Avenue. Okay. Or Greenwich Street. No, Greenwich, Greenwich Street and... So when good-looking friends would come to my house, they'd all get sexually harassed <laughs> when they crossed the path train because it, um, it was very, like, tough, tough gay lesbian crowd that would hang out there uh and so yeah sometimes but but it was um you know it's beautiful i love the village it just i would just uh avoid christopher street um, okay because it was a little crazy at what point did you start exploring your neighborhood well you know it's uh i mean right away right away i knew because i knew the village i'd been there before a couple times so i knew that it was a great you know little neighborhood and it it looked like Woody Allen movies look. So I was like, yeah, this is great. And, um, you know, and then the river was getting fixed up, so that was cool. I didn't have to go inside the city to kill people. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about the Chelsea. Right. Chelsea, which they should change to um, the name of that pilot that landed that, that plane. Uh, Captain Sully Sullenberger. They should call it Sully Sullenberger River. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's the, that's the beginning. Okay. Well, how about, let's go back even farther then. All right. Back to your childhood. Uh, who was the first comedian who inspired you to think, oh, I could do that, or oh, oh, I want to learn how to do that? Well, I think there's between kind of like silent comedy you know I was always watching stuff because my dad was a big fan of comedy so he would I would watch all the you know Charlie Chaplin all that stuff but what really hit me was Belushi because um it he he kind of I looked like him as a, as a kid so I was like I, I got pride in being compared to Belushi and he was so physically I was like I can be like him and uh and then people, I wear dark glasses, and people be like, "You look like the Blues Brothers." <laughs> and, uh, so I liked that. I was like, "Cool, cool. I'll be like the Blues Brothers." And so that was my idea was just to basically emulate Belushi. But when I started doing improv, it was just, um, it just that wasn't working. Like doing what I had learned from Belushi, just doing his thing. Mm -hmm. So then I developed what I do now, which is basically, you know, that energy. But with a like a second a little other level going on there that's that's a little creepy or crazy. What was the first? So then, what was your first original character that you created that that killed? I used to do a character. I used to do a character at Second City that was um, an old Vegas comedian, and he was doing a he was doing a eulogy at a at a funeral, and he just kept talking about this woman. Uh, who had died and, and she fucked him over so he called her he called her whatever else and and it's basically it's famous scene because it was 23 minutes long uh yeah, he's keeping it going and yeah and Sheldon Patinkin came backstage and he was like that was the most fucking self-indulgent thing I've ever seen but it was brilliant <laughs> <laughs> or he he had it some other way around he's like you know, obviously it needs to be trimmed, but uh, but that yeah, me and Johnny Farley were in that cast, Chris's brother, and um, I mean, that was a lot of fun. So that was kind of like the first 
kind of uh, outside of just playing myself character that I was doing uh, at Second City. Did you ever trim that? Uh, no, I just we just ended up not doing it. Oh. Uh, it didn't. It wasn't. It was like the joke of it. A lot of the joke of it was that it was going on so long, so we couldn't rely on that to make it four minutes. Okay. Yeah. What did you end up doing for your uh, audition for SNL? I did meatloaf. Um, I sang a little bit, and I did. I did this character um, that sounded exactly like Robert Stack from Unsolved Mysteries, but wasn't. So it was like. So it's copyright. So someone, truth. it was someone who was yeah, it was someone who was getting pranked by. By kids in the neighborhood, so he's like, so no, he was Robert Stack, the actual Robert Stack, and he's like, hello, you have reached me. If you have any other information, please contact. You know, and he was do that, and uh, so so that was my my cheap way of doing someone that I didn't look like. And the reason I chose to do it is because at, at the time I'm like, fuck, I got to do characters. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? I remember my dad saying that I did a really good Robert Stack, and this was at the <laughs> time of like old, Untouchable commercial. You know, the old Untouchables when Dan Aykroyd would do it, and my dad was like, that's really good. So I remembered that. Years later, and so then I put it in that context, and uh, it was pretty. I think they liked it. <laughs> well, you did, and you got it on your first audition, or did you have to audition? I got it on my first, luckily. So they must have. Yeah, I knew they liked it. You know, I knew that. I knew that it was good. I just thought, well, maybe if, uh, you know, I knew they were gonna hire Jimmy and Parnell, and I'm like, well, maybe they like those guys a little more, and I'll, you know, I won't make the next cut or something. But um, of the three, we all got, you know, we got hired together. When's the last time you uh, you watched some of your old stuff? Um, Separate from the 40th anniversary night. Right. Wow, it's been a while. I have to say, you know, like, someone was watching um, Debbie Downer or something, and I was in the room, and I felt, I felt like, oh, I'll, I'll take a look at it. But usually I'm a little embarrassed, you know? I mean, I love that people are watching it, but I... I don't want to be over their shoulder like, ha, funny, right? <laughs> so, what did you, so what was the experience once you decided to sit down and watch it with So them? I was kind of like doing something like, you know, having a Coke by myself somewhere, like, but, but kind of feeling the energy <laughs> and hearing the laughter, but not having to kind of like, you know, pretending that I wasn't sitting in judgment of their judgment. Right, you weren't fully invested. Right, right, but I was. <laughs> was, uh, was SNL your first uh, screen credit or had you gotten on... No, TV my friend, I had been on, I got a job being um, the orderly in Miracle on 34th Street, the remake, and I was probably 21 at the time, and I got so drunk the night before that, well, that, that's just, I got two days on this movie, Miracle on 34th Street, um, directed by Les Mayfield. And the first day went great. You know, we shot, and I have the scene with, with Richard Attenborough where he's Santa, and yeah. it's kind of cool. I'm like, oh, my first screen credits with Richard Attenborough. And then we had another scene, and uh, and that day I was like, okay, I'll drink, and then I'll wake up at 6, and there's not a lot of stuff I have to do in it. But I got so hammered that I missed the whole day. And they call me at, like, 11, and they're like, they're, they're going crazy. They're looking for you. <laughs> so... I'm like, okay, I'll get there as soon as I can. And when I got there, I was like, just, it was supposed to be like, just me looking at Santa. 
but so they built this door inside a big airplane hangar, and it was just me looking in the door at Santa, which I think's in the movie. When I look at him all sad, uh, <laughs> that was filmed in the middle of an airplane hangar with some pissed off assistant director, just like just act into the door, and uh, so yeah, that I mean that doesn't have a, an awesome ending, but that was my first uh, screen credit. Well, you know, a pivotal part of. Miracle on 34th Street is Santa being drunk and getting fired, so maybe you're just exactly in tribute. I mean, I was, uh, I guess I was so method back then that I didn't even realize it. <laughs> uh, uh, what was the last ti- time you ever I'm a attended? Stuffed up, make sure people know that so they don't <laughs> think that I'm doing coke. They're like, Jesus, in the bed doing coke, diet coke, diet coke. You're doing diet coke for yes. the record. Uh, when's the last time you attended a, a school reunion? Uh, Columbia College had me come back and speak about... Um, they didn't have me speak. Actually, I was interviewed for uh, the Nerd Podcast. Okay. What the fuck's that called? It's not Nerdist, but it's... Shit, we'll get it. Uh, with Dave, with Jim Crane. Okay. That podcast in Chicago. So they he interviewed me in front of, like, the school. And... Um, and that was really funny that they had me speak at the school because I was I'd never been a good student. I was a good student one year, and that's it. Uh, but but again, they paid me to come back and talk, so that's nice. Did you feel like you imparted any wisdom on the? I always you? do. Yeah, I never feel like I rip people off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I you know when I when I speak to them, I I'm really trying to get past all the bullshit that I kind of ex- experienced, you know? So I know what what to say that'll that'll maybe resonate. What about what about reuniting with classmates from college or high school? Do um, you ever go to any of those? No, I, I've never gone. I've never gone to any reunion. Um, mostly because they just they didn't really done a, a good one, you know? They're always kind of half-assed. I got you a hooker. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, buddy. Come in. I'm doing um, Sean's uh, podcast. It's interesting. I've talked to quite a few comedians about reunions, and a lot of them don't go. They have no desire to see the people that they went to high school or college with. I think no one really cared about those people. You know, you're kind of trying to... (laughs) You're trying to get out and, you know, avoid those people. It's like therapy. You're laying on the bed and doing a podcast. Exactly, we explained that earlier. <laughs> Sorry. But I'm glad that you're there to, to be a witness. Yeah, I'm witnessing. For anyone who's just tuning in, <coughs> this is much like therapy. And Chad Kruger is here, my producer, the producer of The Hooray Show. Hi, everybody. America's hottest new podcast featuring me and Chad Kruger. And uh, so, yeah, I'm in bed night, right now just, I'm letting it all out. Like I like to say on my podcast, I'm releasing the issues that will... Break out the tissues. Break out the tissues. Well, okay. This That's my this, catchphrase. This leads me to to, to my next to my next question. Uh, what is the last thing you do as a ritual pre-show? Whether it's going on stage or or starting your own podcast episode, do you have like something you you like to do before? Wow, that's uh, that's a good question. I don't. I don't. I don't really do think I have something like that other than just I have to have Diet Coke or some kind of diet soda. I'm not going to lie. It's Diet Coke. 
<laughs> this, is a, this is a commercial for your, for your podcast. I'm making a million dollars on my podcast. What? This yeah. podcast is sponsored by Diet Pepsi. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so I get caffeinated up, especially for when I do improv, like for Comedy Bang Bang and stuff. When I do characters, I, I, I kind of get jacked up on caffeine. That's why you often see a big gulp uh, cup if there's any pictures of me in the studio. Mm-hmm. If you're doing if you're doing a podcast that has several people on it, or you're doing um, a show that has several people going up on stage before you, is there someone who's the last person you would want to have to follow? That I would want to follow? The last person you'd want to follow? The last person? Um, well, probably someone like Artie Lang or something, or 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 even any great comic. Name any great comic, but Artie Lang because I think he would just the audience would just be like spent you know they'd, then it'd be like oh now this other energy that's kind of similar but not so pro- yeah I mean I, I, and I respect that guy a lot I think he's hilarious so someone who's close enough to, to you but but high energy that's that's the one thing that you're like if you no, see not that even. if I you look think... at a lineup and you see that you're like oh no I guess I've always felt like wh- whoever you is your type is is like that's, that would be bad to have the two fat guys come out after one another. Or in any in any situation, you know, if you have a guy who who has an act where he has puppets, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want the other guy who who has puppets. <laughs> you don't want them going up at the same time because you know, we have to we have to separate so you can feel in a in a fresh way. Much like putting together like a five course menu at a restaurant, you need some sort of a flow to it. You can't have yes beef ribs and then beef ribs. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much beef rib. That's right. Maybe, I want to also say that on your podcast, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking directly at the wall because I feel that that's kind of what I should be doing. Is it weird? Not at all. Okay, good. I mean, nobody listening to this is looking at you. But they are now. They have it in their mind's eye. They're just picturing. Imagine me in a hotel room, two beds. Chad's sitting in the other bed. Hi. And I'm sitting in one. And right now, let's pretend that there's no floor and that Sean and I. Let's pretend the floor is lava. And Chad are floating. We're floating. The floor is lava. Well, now I got to worry about a hot floor. Yeah. Well. How about clouds, Chad? Can't we just have clouds sometimes? Where did you grow up? Floor is lava. I grew up in the west side of Chicago, man. West side. Gangs, drugs was my life. You know, you, you mentioned uh, not wanting two fat guys in a row. And it, and it reminded me of a comedian I spoke to a few years ago who had auditioned for Saturday Night Live and told me afterward he thought it went well, but he thought he was never going to get it because there was already a fat guy on the show. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you think like a show like that has... Slots. Absolutely, yeah. And and I, to the point of that, I, that I, when I told when I told Laura I, I was planning on on either doing update or leaving, you know, I said I've done all I all I think I'm gonna do on this show. So, you know, I'd like to audition for update, and then I want to leave. You know, and he's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. I don't like to talk about my stars leaving. And I'm like, okay, but I said, but you should look at Bobby Moynihan, and then I mentioned some other dudes um, to replace me. Because I know, you know, that's how the show is. They they like their types. So, um, 
so I even, you know, even out of the kindness of my heart, I pointed him in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> and now, and now, there's a certain type who's just waiting for Bobby to leave. Exactly. And now Darn there's God. a fat kid out there going like, "Oh man, when's Bobby gonna leave?" Oh. And then <laughs> <laughs> that's sad. But that's the show, you know. I mean, oh. fuck. If you can get a couple years out of that show, I think you, you've you've uh, succeeded a, a huge thing. So for Willie, what's this? Willie. Yeah, absolutely okay. perfect. All right. You just saw a creative decision being made <laughs> for it's Willie Nelson. Part of the process. Part of the process. Yeah, you're seeing it all like the skeleton. It's not all improvised. Sometimes there's rigorous planning. That's right. Uh, so you know, you, you mentioned leaving SNL. If you ever had to had to stop doing comedy, what would be the first thing you might turn to as the next post comedy? Well, my ex girlfriend says that I was obsessed with um, removing hair. Um, <laughs> that I like by removing it. Do you mean forcibly? <laughs> like. I like I kind of like sometimes <laughs> ripping out little mustache hairs and the pain that it causes. I'm like, I feel like I'm G. Gordon Liddy, kind of getting stronger and stronger with each painful tug. <laughs> and uh, so I've often I, I really love watching when I get my hair cut. Mm-hmm. I like love the feeling of the scissors cutting. So I might be um, a hairdresser. I'm still I'm still like thinking about going to to beauty school. And um, and pursuing that if you know if I have to. If we had a scissors in this place right now, <laughs> I would let you cut my hair. But, but that was really yeah. I, I would would. cut it. Let's do it. That was never that was never a fallback <laughs> option for you though. Before when you were younger, it wasn't. No, this is more of a dream that I have another dream. You know, I had my dream of SNL, and then it was time for another dream, and so that's one day to maybe have my own beauty shop, my beauty salon. Uh, maybe in Atlanta, um, and yeah, and cut people's hair. And <laughs> uh, basically, it's the model of hair, you know, uh, shampoo with Warren Beatty. Okay. Maybe from watching that movie as a kid, I thought maybe that's what I want to do. But you, I will cut Chad's hair as soon as we find some scissors, and you'll see I do a pretty decent job. And you do have good hair yourself. So that's. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> I was about. I was waiting when in your podcast you were going to mention it. I wanted to save it for the end. I want to leave on a high note. Thank you, sir. And so, thank you, Horatio. Uh, yes, my hair. I care a lot about it, and I think the audience sees that and they dig that and they find it sexy and. I find it. Hey man, we're in show business. You I, know fi- what I, mean? I find it just comforting to know that you will make people feel good, whether it's performing on stage or just allowing them to look in the mirror and be happy. Absolutely, absolutely. That's my new thing. Just let everybody look in the mirror. Don't make faces. You like don't make fun of ugly people. Is what I always say, because uh, they have enough trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, but what what do you mean by looking in the mirror? Like you're you're cutting their hair so that, that way they look oh, in the mirror. Oh, that might be trouble because then they might. You were going back to cutting hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking about? I, I thought 
I thought people were in my room and they were gonna and like I was making people like I thought Chad was maybe looking in the mirror and I was making him laugh. I I don't know what the hell I thought, but I didn't think that. <laughs> but going back to the cutting hair, yeah, it might fuck up someone's hair if I'm joking around and they're laughing, you know. No, I'm talking about this. You're cutting their hair in a post comedy world for Horatio's hands. But Horatio's still gonna be Horatio. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can't stop. I mean, you get your you haircut are. at Horatio's. Um, let me come up with a good name. Yeah, what would you call your your uh, salon? Sexual hey. hair assment. Horatio's sexual hair assment. Um, H a i r. You know, you get it. H a i r ass. Ass, and then have a nice the big boot out there. M i n t. So and mint at the mint end. Mint at the end, and you get a mint when you're done getting your ass hairs cut. I mean, no. See, Chad, you have to get real silly with it. Yeah. I wouldn't oh, get I'm people's... I'm going really silly I'm not going to... I'm not going to get people's bungholes, uh, you know, Why waxed. Um, we, were at, we were at a really sincere place, and then... I'm sorry. I ruined it. Yeah. Let's talk about ass waxing. No. I was going to suggest... I don't want to do that. I was going to suggest Barbara Sands. Barbara Sands? Yeah. I don't get it. Instead of Barbizon? <laughs> It's Barbazan. Oh, Barbazan. Yeah, Barbazan. Barbazans. <laughs> Sands. And it's got the barber in it. <clears throat> but it's but it's not my business. It's not my business, literally, to tell you how to run your business. I'm taking all ideas. So if people listening to this want to send me tweets like what I should call mm-hmm. my salon, please do. Please okay. feel free. In the meantime, there's still many years of comedy enjoyment. Yeah, knock on wood. You never know, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not one of these guys that think uh, alien invasion's possible. But I do think there might be illegal alien trouble. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> Present company. <laughs> I just took that time to make a terrible joke, but please continue. <laughs> I really didn't have any more questions for you. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. This is going to be a good one. <laughs> I think so. Thank you. Thank you so much. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave. Logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com. For more interviews, reviews, and comedy news, become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.